been selected. Welcome to the Brian P. Swift All Things Inspirational Show. Brian is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and success coach. Are you ready to move your vision forward and be inspired every Wednesday a little afternoon? Here is your host, Brian P. Swift. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the show. This is Brian P. Swift, a.k.a. The Quad Father. And yes, it's Wednesday. It's hump day. Welcome to the Inspiration Location. I appreciate you joining in and listening. Please feel free to share the station. For those of you working today, God bless. Thank you for going out and trudging through this weather. Growing up in the 60s, uh, I remember many storms like this. A lot of fond memories. Remember, put those the, those bread bags under underneath your boots so you can slip them on and off very easily. A lot of people may not get that, but back in the day, you look for those plastic bags to slip on so those so those feet could get wedged in the boots and and they didn't get wet. So a lot of good memories. But thank you again for showing up. Sit back and enjoy. Remember, feel free to send messages, to send questions. If you have any ideas of what you'd like talked about on the show or a topic. And as you know, I always like starting the show with either a quote or something that makes you think. And the, today is why do people stop fighting? Why do people start fight, stop fighting? And in my answer to that is people don't stop fighting until, and it's that until. So you don't stop fighting because you get old. You get old because you stop fighting. And, and that's the, the truth of it. We stop fighting because of our minds more than we do our bodies. Let's face it, when a person loses their drive and loses their hunger to be in that fight, whatever that fight may be, their fight for success, their fight for their family, the fight for doing what's right, the fight to, to chase down their dreams, you inevitably, you inevitably stop growing and you lose that edge. And the hardest thing for you to do is to bring back that hunger, that drive, that edge. Trust me, I've been in a wheelchair 40 years. I have to bring back that hunger, that drive, that edge every time I get out of bed. I have to bring that back sometimes several times throughout the day when I'm battling certain things. And I'll tell you for one thing that's certain, it is worth a fight. But my fight's worth it because I continue to have goals. I continue to have dreams and those things I will chase because it's going to take everything you have in you and then some to continue to fight for those things you want. And again, that could be whether that's saving for a new car, whether it's to move into a different house, whether it's for that job you want, whether it's for something that's right in your life, in your children's life. And we have to constantly face and find that courage, that drive, that fear that we had deep inside of us at one point. And maybe that point wasn't that long ago. 
Maybe it was. But we need that to keep going day to day. Because every day that fire gets stepped on, that drive slows up, and we just get complacent. So we need to continue to find that. And that's not easy. Uh, and, And in no way am I making it appear easy or sound easy, but it is what it is. And you have to find ways to do that. After we hear from our guest in a little bit, I will talk about some some ways to find that. But before that, I would like to uh, tell you, if, if your business would like to be on this fantastic show every Wednesday, contact Brian Swift at bswift62 at comcast.net. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. If you have a, if you have a business, if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to sponsor the show, please reach out to me. We're always looking to help those, especially local to our community, because I think we have an amazing, strong community here. And I think the community supports each other. And I see it in, in all throughout, whether that being Juliet, whether that being Plainfield, whether that being Frankfurt, Burkina. I mean, I could keep going. The community around here is strong and we do support each other. And what we're going to do is we're going to hear a little bit of word from our sponsor, and then we're going to meet Coach T. And I'll tell you a little bit about Coach T when we get back. But now a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the Inspiration Location, and I'd like to welcome our guest. I'm going to call him Coach T. You will hear why I call him Coach T uh, in in a minute. But Coach T, welcome to the Inspiration Location. Quadfather, great to be back on WJL. I'm a I'm a graduate of Lewis University. Go Flyers! So uh, you know WJL was on the radio an awful lot in the dorm room. So it's great to uh, it's great to be on JOL, and it's great to hear your voice, sir. Well, thank you. And and the reason I call you Coach T, much like the coach of Duke, um, his last name is a little bit complicated. And your last name is Thomas Skevage. And I have known that name for a long time. I don't know if I can still spell it correctly, but you are, are warmly known as Coach T, much like the coach from Duke. They don't dare try to pronounce his name because they they don't want to get it incorrect. Well, you make a good point, you know. And uh, being from the south, being the south side pole, you know, you know, uh, definitely want to make sure we get the name right. Thomas Kevich, you you pronounced it correctly and excellently, sir. Well, thank you. So, so let me let me just throw out who Coach T is. Um, you you've coached for. You've coached sports from the ground level up. I mean, you started where most coaches start at at, at a grammar school level. You, I know you you coached basketball. You've coached other things. You've been involved with football. You've coached and, and been around the coaching world for quite a few years. The difference is even through college. I mean, you you were friends with you know some coaches that you know coached at DePaul, and you've been a part of their journey. You've actually worked your way up to coaching at the collegiate level, which 
is something I have dreamed of, something many of us have dreamed of. So thank you. Uh, so congratulations, I should say, for working your way from that that such small level, but a very impactful level, to coaching at a amazing school in New York, uh, Sunny Global Skill. And you are not just a coach, but you're also the sports information director and the head cross-country coach. Am I correct? Yes, you are very much correct. Uh, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career. And, uh, you know, I, my degree is actually in my undergraduate is in journalism, mass comm. So I'm actually one of those people who uses their college degree, uh, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, was very fortunate, you know, your program, which is called the Inspirational Hour, uh, you know, one of my great inspirations, there were a couple of out at Lewis, one, the, the recently, uh, de, you know, passed the departed athletic director, Paul Ruddy, who was a Joliet legend and a Joliet Catholic alum, and the Chuck Schwarz, who was just, had just recently passed away, who was for many years the head basketball coach and assistant athletic director at Lewis, and, and those two men put me on the path that I, uh, I entered, and, uh, you know, I started at the elementary school level back in the 80s, so I guess I've been around for a long time now. And, uh, you know, I've coached three sports at the uh, collegiate level and, uh, you know, just have been uh, very blessed in that fact, my friend. So, you know, it, uh, it's, been a, it's been a long, strange trip sometimes, but it's a, it's a very enjoyable way to make a living. Awesome. And we also lost, and I don't know if you're aware of this, being in New York, we also lost a great man. Um, who dedicated himself and, and made a difference in so many people's life, Coach Barry Shaw, um, oh, who yeah. coached at St. Lawrence and coached at St. Xavier and made such a big difference. And it's such a loss when, when we lose these coaches uh, because they're not just coaches. I mean, you're not just a coach, and it's going to bring me to a topic. You, you've coached three, three sports at a collegiate level. I, I, I would be blessed to be able to coach one sport and you call it blessed. And, and I do believe you are blessed and I know you do, but it doesn't it, being blessed kind of like having good luck kind of comes with the price. I mean, you've put in hours doing things that others may not want to have done. You've been hours and hours uh, of in sleepless nights worrying and, and, and being not just a coach, to your players slash athletes slash, you know, students, it, it, what you've had to do is you've also had to be a mentor. You've also had to be a guidance counselor. You've been almost a, a pseudo parents to a lot of these kids for the probably the first time are outside of their parents, still growing. I mean, at the collegiate level, you go to college and what are you, 18 years old, some 17 and it's your first experience, and, and we, we know it all, but you've had to be a lot of things to a lot of people. Can you talk to that? Well, you know, Sweetie, that's, I, I think that's missed in a lot of, uh, in a lot of situations. I, I work at a, a Division three school, which is a non-scholarship school, and uh, we are uh, out in, uh, in the, uh, we're not in the metropolitan area by any stretch of the uh, imagination. We are in more of a, a rural community. So, you know, what you make an excellent point. Many times we are coaching young people who are for the first time in their lives away from home, 
there, and sometimes you have to provide a little bit of guidance and a little bit of structure, help them along uh, in a number of different ways. And uh, you are right; we do function in loco parenti sometimes. Uh, you know, there you go. Use a use legal term for you, uh, but it is very, very important that you know we help the transition. You know, sometimes people ask me, well, you know what. What's the biggest difference between high school and college and for an athlete? And, you know, in high school, your day is pretty structured. You start school at a certain, you know, time. A lot of times mom and dad get you up at the same time every morning to either catch the school bus, walk, or, or you know, take the car or get dropped off at school. You know, you, you, you come back, you know, practices at a set time every day. You go home at this a set time. You know you have your routines in college. You know because of class schedules, labs, field trips, etc. It's it's communal living, so it's a lot different. So a lot of what I think a lot of us at the college level, be it the scholarship or non-scholarship level, those who there are coaches, we're trying to help the initial transition. And I, I think that that is just a vital part of the process. You know, we talk about, you know, we talk about a lot of things in our program. And one of the things we talk about is, you know, you've got to develop the ability to adjust because you might have an 8, 8 a.m. or a 9 a.m. class three days a week. Then you might not be in class at 11 o'clock in the morning a couple of times. You may have an evening class or an afternoon lab. And, you know, we practice uh, at our level, Quadfather, uh, we practice at either 6 a.m. in the morning or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So you've got to stay on top of things. And, you know, part of the responsibility of uh, a, college, you know, a college coach, especially a small college coach, is to make sure people are moving in the right direction and getting to be where they need to be. And it's not always perfect, you know, but uh, that's, isn't that – isn't that the essence of, you know, uh, what a leader has to do? You know, you've been a sales manager. You know, there are people in, you know, politicians, clergy, the military. We're all working with people, and we're all trying to blend a cohesive environment for whatever group we're working on. And uh, sometimes, you know, that requires uh, many different leadership styles, and you perform a number of different roles. So, you know, it's, it's, it's never boring is what I like to say. No, you know, a lot of great insights, Cote, and I, I think that it, here's, an, a, here's an important one, and, and you're right. We go from more structure than realize, especially as a teen. I mean, for, for most kids, they come home, and hopefully there is a fridge full of food or enough food to get them through the day. And I know where we live, most kids are probably blessed to – have laundry done and have a lot of things at their fingertips support. But when you go away to college, most of that disappears because you're on your end, you're not getting top athletes dropped off at you, especially because you're a non-scholarship. You're so, so you have to not just develop their athletic skills and the fact that they're going from maybe being a big fish in a little pond to now going to be a, little fish in a big pond and that that's a huge transition for any anyone whether you're a young adult or a full-blown adult um, that's a big transition and I'm sure a lot of that falls on you as a coach yes uh, 
You know, it, it, it's interesting that you bring that point up. Uh, big fish in a small pond, as opposed to sometimes you're a small fish in a big pond, and then you come and are able to, you know, maybe show a few of your athletic gifts uh, at a different level of competition or what have you. Uh, you know, a lot of times we as college coaches, we sit in an office with someone and they're frustrated by performance. And, you know, I think what you have to impress upon them is even though, you know, you're in season a short period of time, you're really making a year-round commitment to your sport, your education, et cetera. And some, sometimes in, in a high school situation, you might be done with your sport and move to another sport or, or in another phase of your life the minute that season is over. Well, you know, great athletes are made in the off season. So if it's the commitment, you know, like we tell kids, you know, the commitment is made year-round. Uh, we expect, you know, in this great point, yeah, in distance running, you can't take the summer off because, you know, we, you know, the minute, uh, you know, our outdoor track and field season is over, our distance runners take a week or so off. And then right away, they're starting to train for the fall. At least the good ones are the great ones find a way to train and, you know, work it in between summer jobs and et cetera. Uh, think that we're we're seeing that at the high school levels even yes i think that's that's part of you know you you talk about inspiration and motivation i think that's part of our responsibility as coaches and there's many different ways you can inspire or motivate someone to maximize their potential uh you know we talk about successful athletes are athletes who embrace a lifestyle you know you have to watch the diet to an extent Sleep is, I think, a, a, an underrated, uh, an underrated portion of performance. You have to talk about to kids about good habits, and uh, you know that's that gets to be at times a very difficult sell job. And I, I think that uh, you know you have to point those things out to young people and say, look, we can only do so much for you in season or when you get here. We need you to commit. And even at the non-scholarship level, because I've seen some great athletes at the non-scholarship level, it is vital that you commit and be dedicated to your craft, your sport, and your education. Because let's face it, every institution and every level of competition has eligibility requirements. First rule, if you're not eligible, you can't compete. And I, and I think that's, you know, it, we I spend probably a lot of time Helping kids, you know, find ways that they can maximize their academic performance as well as their athletic performance. And that's part of the job. And I think that it's vital that you try to point out to these young people, look, at the end of four or five years, you're going to be making your way in the world. And hopefully we can give you some tools that will help ease that transition because the transition between elementary school and high school is large for for an athlete. The transition between college to be between high school and college or high school junior college that is another level altogether. But probably the toughest transition you're going to make is when you leave the realm of academia and move into life. 
and that you know hopefully <laughs> you put yeah. in all this time. So you know, right. my, my great Coach, line to right. uh, kids when we recruit them, very simple. We want you to make the most of this experience so it gives you the tools to move on so when you're 30 you're not on your parents' couch in the basement. And uh, I, I, I think that's, you know, a very big part of the whole athletic process. It teaches you the things outside the classroom that books don't cover. Well, you're you're 100% right. And, and you know, I, I think some of it has gotten lost because of – how the hype around athletics and sports, and trust me, you, you played sports at, at competitive levels, and I played, whether it be on a team or in a group or at certain levels, it, it, the hype it gets now is, is unbelievably amazing. And I think some of that, uh, that loss that gets lost is the fact that, as you said, in four or five years, you really got to go out there and stand tall. And, and you know what? There's a lot of great lessons you learn through athletics and a lot of great lessons coaches like yourself teach these young men and women. And that being said, I'm going to ask you a question. So I have two kids, not, not personal kids. One of them is I have a son that is leaving junior college and heading off terrorism when they go to school. And I have a nephew, Gavin, who is going is leaving high school and going to be playing baseball at, at a very nice college in in Wisconsin? What advice do you have for these kids that are leaving junior college or leaving high school? What is specific advice? You know, in a couple, what couple minutes can you tell them or their parents listening? What advice would you give them now? Something they could do now. You know, almost, let's just say almost a semester before you leave. What can they start to do now, not just in their sport, but to prepare for going away out of state and dealing with everything that comes with that, that you see at, at, at your level? You know, it, it, it's interesting. Discipline, self-discipline plays a big part in success. You know, I... I I saw something online the other day, well, a while back, and it was uh, it was one of the members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a retired uh, Naval Admiral. He said, start the day by making your bed, because then you've accomplished mm-hmm. something when the day starts. It's a lot of little things like that are important. You know, be committed to when you show up as a college athlete and a college student be committed to things that will take you where you want to go. If you, uh, your one nephew who's going to be a college baseball player, don't show up fall ball 20 pounds overweight. Make sure that, you know, you've, you've committed to a training regiment that when you show up, you're in condition to go through a fall season. Once again, make sure the summer, make sure you are playing over the summer because let's face it, you're going to be in competition with other people who want the at bats and the playing time. Yeah. And uh, from an academic standpoint, I don't think you can just put a put the books away all summer anymore or the computer away all summer. I think you have to do some things, you know, that you know, keep the brain stimulated, the mind stimulated. It, you know, we all love we all love the summer. You know, it's great to sit out in the sun and, 
you know, you and I did that, of course, and maybe you have a little bit of fun, but, you know, the, the key is, is to be prepared when you hit campus to hit campus running. Know, and then I think the other thing is, is as you move uh, into a higher level of academia and a higher level of competition, I think you have the chance to reinvent yourself. You don't have to be content to sit on the bench. But, as, as, as I, and I've heard you on the program talk about grinding it out grit. Well, you know, you have to be willing to work. And I, I think sometimes, you know, in high school where you may be one of the best athletes or one of the best players in your particular sport, you might not have had to work as hard as the kid who was a reserve in a more elite program, someone who's come with better work habits. Sometimes you think you're working hard in the classroom or in your sport, and maybe you're not working hard enough. You have to look at the perspective. Yeah, Coach, that's a great point, because we don't know what we don't know. So if I think I'm working hard, I may be working hard compared to my few guys around me that I know and a couple kids I play ball with. But as we've both done, I've coached travel teams. You've been a part, and you've seen it on on your sport when you've helped elite coaches coach – college team college uh camps the 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 level of grinding it out eight years for camps when you were coaching with elite coaches and helping them with their summer camps is way different than grinding it out at, at the at the high school level you know you made a point several shows back going back to your sales manager days and you would show people the people who made 100 calls a day were more successful than those that made 30 calls a day. And and, and, and that plays into it because sometimes you think, well, I made 40 calls today. I worked hard. But the guy guy or gal who made 100 calls did more business. And I, I think that, you know, effort is the key in a lot of things. You know, the effort you put in or the ability to go around. And, I, I, you know, one of the other points that you made on the show a few weeks, but you see, I listened to the show, Godfather. I listened to the show. Thank you. If, I if appreciate you it. the word. Well, no, then, then let's hope that the advertisers pick up on that, okay? But you made an excellent point. If you don't have resources, you must be resourceful. You know, if, if yeah. you don't have you know, a great area to train in, you may have to find a way to say, say you don't have access to great weight training equipment. Well, you know, push-ups and crunches and isometric exercises and Pilates have been around for years, you know, and it, there, there are plenty of places you can run the condition, you know, you have to find a way. You can't just say, Oh, woe is me. You know, I don't have what other people have. Well, that's probably true. Be resourceful. But the, yeah, but in the final analysis, when you look at everything and you break it all down, you may be absolutely correct, but now you've got to compete against these people. How are you going to do that? You know, some in an, academic, in, in an academic vein, 
you may not have come from a school that had the best technology. That might be require you to put in more time on the back end than maybe some other people. And you just have to decide where you, your priorities lie. And I, I think that's what we try in, 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 in our program. We try to tell people, look, you're going to be as successful as the work you put in. The other thing is don't True. let other people define you. You know, define yourself. Create your own destiny. Folks, I've known the Quad Father for many years, and you, you've read his story, etc. He went through a tremendous experience in terms of literally being a quadriplegic. One of the first things he said was when he looked at the doctor, what's next? The ability to move on and leave the past behind is sometimes one of the greatest skills or, or things we have. You can't live in the past. You can visit once in a while, but you can't live there. You must live in the present and plan for the future. And I think that's one of the things we try to emphasize. And, you know, I don't think I'm the only coach wow. who ever talks in terms of that. Coach T, uh, awesome words of wisdom. Thank you for the kind words. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the fact that you you have won championships. I mean, you're you're not just coaching kids, and I don't care at what level. I don't care if it's Division One, Two, Three, Four, NAIA, NHSA, whatever it is. You've won you've won numerous championships. So that being said, and I know it would take numerous shows to get through it. This is a question that that I would ask anybody. Did you you know those championship year. So you're, 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 you're not getting scholarship athletes. So you're not just, you're not getting great athletes dropped at your doorstep because they're on scholarship. And now you get to do some molding and, 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 and plunk them in. You're not getting those kind of athletes. So you're, what, what did you do or what did you do that, that you could think of that was different? Those championships years that might've different than other years is there something you did is there a way you brought the team together even though an individual sport you know you how did you bring them together how did you was there something you did different with those championship years that's a really good question uh you know you know you talk about the caliber of athlete that you get well sometimes you do get a great athlete you know and, and sometimes you know this past year uh, our Fighting Tiger men's cross-country team won our conference championship, placed sixth in our NCAA regional, which was our highest finish out. And we did have athletes that I think some bigger schools missed on. We we had three all-regional runners this year, and, and I think two of them are – two all three of those young men are quality young men, and they're excellent. They're excellent. I think as I look back on, you know, and, and folks, we I've coached 19 conference championship teams, men's and women's, and I think sometimes you look at each team and where there were sometimes, some years, Quadfather, we were the favorite to win. And the touch had, to, you know, okay. I always I always like the joke, I know how to drive a fast car. Can you drive a slow one? And sometimes right. it was a case of, you know, sometimes it was a case of being very analytical, being very supportive, you know what I mean? 
than maybe earlier in my career when we were fortunate to win a little bit. Maybe we weren't as talented as some of the other teams we competed against, and maybe I was a little more demonstrative. I think it's, it's situational. And I think it's situational sometimes based on where you are personally as a leader in your life. And I, I, I'd like to think, you know, this past year, very, uh, I don't want to say it was an easy year, but it was more about the process. You know, it was more about design workouts. You know, it was more about designing workouts and paying attention to logistics and all the other good stuff. It was a very self-motivated and self-directed group of young people. And that, you know, but that, that being, makes things that being easy. Said, even that being said, when you get a, 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 a high-performing athlete, it's your job to take them higher, to get yes. more out of them. You know what I mean? So, so even though, okay, this year you got a couple, you know, maybe athletes that some other teams missed out on, it, you still have to take well, we them have to, to motivate people. Oh, yeah. You know, you do have to motivate people. And, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, we, you know, making sure that you, you put little things, you know, Michael Jordan always used to try to self-motivate. He used to use little things you know, to, to bring out performance. You know, we, we like to do things, you know, in, in terms of every week when, when we're getting ready to travel, we give out an itinerary. We look at motivational sayings. You know, we, we, you know it's interesting. In a sport like distance running, it, one, of our, one of our athletes had a great line. You know, Coach, you can't hide from somebody on a 10-mile run. You learn about <laughs> someone's character. You learn yeah. about someone. And I think college athletes, you know, we spend so much time together. Many years ago, I was coaching a team that was not favored to win a conference title. We had a young lady who was not a very competitive person. I'll be very honest, run the race of her life to give us the victory. And I joked with her afterwards. I said, Kendra, you, you always said you weren't that competitive. And she said, Coach, yeah, I'm not, but how do you let your friends down? And that's, 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 you know. You know, that's, a, powerful, that's a powerful statement. We're all motivated in life for different things. You know, if, you, if, if you're, my father and your father had families. They worked very hard. They were motivated to get up even when they didn't want to work hard because you had to put food on the table. And, you know, sometimes fear is a great motivator. You know, sometimes glory is a great motivator. Money is always a pretty good motivator. But, you know, what have you. So I, I think what I, I, I think we look at with individuals, and you hit the nail right on the head, in, in modern times I think a coach has to find what buttons you have to push, you know, where you have to go, you know, awesome. and it's, it's it's the same with people who are officers in the military, people who are in the clergy, reading con- you know, leading congregations, sales managers, you know, uh, corporate executives. Everybody's trying to get maximum performance out of their people, and I, I think one thing that I have found over all the time is being upfront and being authentic with young people is the most important thing, because here's the deal. You can't con everybody 24 seven. You have to be authentic. People have to know that they might not always agree with your style of leadership, 
but they have to know that you're working for their best interests. I think that maximizes well, like, performance. Yeah, and like the saying goes, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And and you do have to show that first. And Coach T, we could talk about being authentic and all these topics the whole the entire show again, um, which you know we we look forward to having you on again. And I, hope man, so. I appreciate your. Uh, we we're gonna because you brought up some topics that are just we could talk a a, a three hour show and, and not even mm-hmm. not even touch on all all of them just you know from inspiration to motivation to being authentic you know it, all the things you talked about so it is truly 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 my pleasure to have you on I love your insights I hope your athletes realize what a resource you are to them and not just your athletes, but the college you work for and, and, and the people running the college. I hope they realize what an amazing resource you have. Cause I, as you said, we've known each other and you are authentic and you work for the right reasons and you go beyond what is asked of you and you can't get people to show up today, let alone do those things. So I, I hope your athletes realize uh, the ask they have in you as a coach. I hope the university understands the asset they have in you for all the things that you do. And I hope they utilize you as much as they can because they're missing out if they don't. Um, and, and I say that with all sincerity, not because we're not because we know each other and those who know me know I don't pay out compliments uh, lightly and rarely so i say that from the bottom of my heart thank you for your time i appreciate it you have a great day probably snowed in like we are we're going to hear <laughs> a word from our sponsors and then i'll be back to talk about you know how pe- why people should why people stop fighting and how you need to drive yourself to keep fighting to keep going after that vision and to keep growing so coach t god bless have a good one, and now a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to the Inspiration Location. This is Brian P. Swift, a.k.a. The Quad Father. I hope you got some awesome tips, Coach T. So many great things we could talk about. But as we started the show, we talked about you don't stop fighting because you get old. You get old because you stop fighting. And when people lose their drive and hunger to be in that fight, uh, because it, it will inevitably, you know, we will stop growing. We will lose some of that fire. What do we do to keep that edge? What do we do to keep that fire? And I have some tips for you. And, and the first one is get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I believe the more comfortable you get, the more comfortable you receive which ultimately kills a bit of that fire a bit of that drive resistance makes you stronger you have to continue to know your why that why is so important because we will all hit a wall we will all trip we will all be forced to use our muscle our minds our strength our fire and that causes us to grow that causes us that it causes us to be uncomfortable. So getting uncomfortable is part of the process of continually keeping that fear, that drive, 
that resistance going. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. I believe it's part, a major part of the process. Um, it's, it's hard to get that fight back in you, but if you keep it stoked doing those things, I believe you will always have that spark in you. So the second thing is fear is, fear is always a part of the growth equation. There's always going to be fear. You know, people who accomplish greatness use fear a few of themselves. You heard Coach T talk about fear is a great motivator. Um, and, and personally, I've said if your vision, if your goals don't scare you, you're not thinking big enough. You know, anytime your vision is so great, so big, so uncomfortable that you need to sun this, this thing, this fire deep inside of you, when your vision is beyond you, it opens up a place. It, it surrounds you like, like a warrior. Um, that vision has got to be there. That fear has got to be there. Um, I think to be successful in any endeavor, you have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself in harm's way. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're a coach. It doesn't matter if you're a parent. You've got to put it out there and you gotta, you've got to have some type of fear. So number three, you know, when, when you're in the fight, you can't stop throwing punches. You know, when you're in a battle, when, when you're striving for goals, when you've been knocked down, when, when you feel down, you, you can't stop punching. When you get punched in the face and you will, and you will fall and you will drop to your knees, you've got to learn how to rise up. You've got to learn how to turn that fear into fuel. I actually wrote a book called Up, Getting Up is the Key to Life. You can find it on Amazon and it's exactly what it talks about. It talks a little bit about my journey, but it talks about getting knocked down and, and, and learning how to get back up. And there's a second book that came out two years ago called Rising Up, and it is very similar, but it gives you different insights into how to rise up, how to deal with the punches, how to keep throwing punches and continue to fight. Number four, fight for something bigger than you. I think this is very critical. Uh, maybe it's a, a maturity thing or an age thing, but when you're fighting for something greater than you, you fight differently. I just... I believe that, like a like a, a bear fighting for its cubs, like a lion, like a parent fighting to protect their children. You know, getting in that fight, staying in that fight is easy because it's for something bigger than you. You know, you're a parent fighting for their kids. You watch a bear fight for cubs. It, you you just fight different. It's that you know you either finish or you die trying but giving up is not an option type of fuel that opens up in you. Um, that That is so key to fighting that fight that's bigger than you. And the last thing is, you know, warriors die, but kings last forever. Sound may sound a little cliche, but a warrior wants to fight for himself. A king fights for others. He fights for the glory of a bigger cause. That's why warriors die, but king's glory will last forever because a warrior wants to prove to the world that he is somebody. A king knows who he is. Go out there and be a king. And size doesn't matter. 
If size mattered, why is an elephant the king of the jungle? He's not. The lion is the king of the jungle. And he doesn't always have to roar. And in that fight, there's only one opponent, and that is the person you see in the mirror. That's all that matters. That, that, that's in that process, in that fight, what matters is who you become in this process of fighting. And trust me, you can become the king. You can become a king. Whether you get knocked down or, or not, become that king. And remember, it's never too late to unlock that code to that edge. It's never too late to get in the best shape of your life. It's never too too late to fight those hard battles because the hardest battles had the sweatiest victories. I am the Quad Father. This is the Inspiration Location. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe out there today. God bless and have a great day. Thank you.